One Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. If you have your Bible, why don't you grab it with me and turn to the book of Joshua. Joshua this morning. And uh, we are kicking off uh, a new series today that I am very excited about and um, in the book of Joshua. And I'd love to encourage you, uh, maybe this week, take some time to read the book of Joshua, study the book of Joshua, uh, so that you really uh, can kind of understand what we're going to be talking about. But I'm excited about this series uh, that we are calling Possessing the Land. Possessing the Land. Who thinks that's a good idea? Who thinks we need to possess the land? Amen. Well, not just the physical land. We need to do that. We're going to do that. Uh, but, but even more importantly, uh, possessing the, the place that God has for us. And that's what we want to talk about in this series. But I actually believe that this is not just about a new series, uh, but we are entering into a new season as well. And uh, today is, uh, some of you may know this, today is our nine-year anniversary as a church. And I always, I never know, is it anniversary or birthday? I don't know. But it's, it's nine years ago this week that we launched as a church. And, uh, you know, nine years of God's goodness, God's faithfulness. Uh, over those nine years, we've seen people come to Christ. We've seen people uh, following Jesus. We've seen people growing as disciples. We've seen people uh, sent out. We've seen uh, just a lot of babies being born in that time. We've seen people meet and get married here in the church. We've just seen some incredible, incredible things. It's God's grace. It's God's grace. And I'll tell you, in particular, the last two years uh, have, have been just, if there was ever a doubt that it's God's goodness and God's grace, the last two years have certainly been a demonstration of that. And so it's been an incredible time that we are thanking God for. But I want you to know this, uh, more importantly than where we've been, uh, what we are looking at today is not just where we've been, but where we're headed. Two people are enthusiastic about that. I'll tell you this, I'm thankful for what God has done, but I'll say this with every fiber of my being that we have only begun. We have only begun. And what God has ahead of us is infinitely greater than what God has done behind us. And so we are looking back and we are thankful and praising God for what He has done in the past, but that is only building our faith for what He has ahead of us. And so I believe that today, even as we're celebrating that, um, I, I believe that God's just going to stir faith in our hearts for everything He has for us. And so we're going to look at this book of Joshua. I believe it speaks to this moment that we are in, uh, because Joshua is a book of transition. Uh, it, it, you may not know this uh, when you just read your Bible, but actually in the original uh, Scripture for the original Hebrew readers of Scripture, Joshua would have been a new section of Scripture, a new place in the Bible. In fact, the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, that was called the Pentateuch, and that was kind of God's um, God's covenant with his people. If you know the story, it was creation, fall, and then God makes a covenant. It was kind of the, um, we could say it this way, it's the marriage vows. 
that God was saying to his people what he would do for his people. But Joshua is a different story. Joshua is a new chapter. If the first five books were God uh, declaring the covenant uh, that he had for his people Israel, Joshua is starting to set up house. You know what I'm saying? It's great to get married, but then you got to move in and you got to begin to live together and, and live it out, live that commitment out. So that's what the book of Joshua is. And so I want to invite you to read with me today. We're just going to begin in this series and kind of set the course for where we're going today. But Joshua chapter 1, and the scripture says this in verse 1, and I'm going to read to verse 9. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord... It came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, not the son of Unnun, but the son of Nun, okay? Moses' assistant, saying, listen to this, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise and go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites and to the great sea, to the, toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success." Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you today for your word. And God, we thank you that your word is living and active. Your word is spirit and it is life. And Father, we pray that our hearts would be open and ready to receive from you today. God, I pray that there would be faith released into our hearts, God, that this would not just be, Lord, a, a message that we hear and move on from, but God, I pray, let it penetrate into the soil of our spirit today. Father, give me grace, give me your anointing to preach, and Father, give every person your grace and your anointing to receive by faith today in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. Amen. A place of transition. Israel was at a place of transition. And I don't know about you, but transition can be hard. Anybody that's ever had a baby can attest to that, that transition is hard. That is a part of the, of the delivery process. 
uh, of delivering a baby is transition, and it's one of the most difficult parts, so I've heard. I've been there. I've not experienced it, but I've been there. It's hard because you can't go back, but you're not all the way there. You're, you're halfway. You're in the middle. And, uh, you know, halfway is hard. Transition is hard. Uh, it's true in everything in life. Sometimes you start a project, and there's a lot of excitement at the beginning of a project. Who knows what I'm talking about? Yeah, January 1st, everybody's revved up. It's a new year, new you. We're going in. There's a lot of excitement at the beginning, and there's a lot of celebration at the end. But in the middle, you're halfway. And, and here's what I've found is that oftentimes halfway is the hardest place. Halfway is the hardest place. You ever tried to get into a canoe halfway? You ever, have you ever done that? Anybody ever been in a relationship kind of halfway? Yeah, yeah, uh-oh, uh-oh. It's halfway is not a good place to be. Ever, anybody ever seen somebody get on the interstate halfway? You know what I'm talking about. If you're by somebody who does it, don't look at them right now. Halfway is a hard place to be. And here we find the children of Israel, God's people, halfway into God's purpose. You see, if you know the story of Israel, God had brought them out of Egypt. God had promised to them that he would deliver them out of Egypt. And they saw God move in a powerful way. He parted the Red Sea. They came through. They were out of Egypt. But now they've been in the wilderness for 40 years. They've been walking in the wilderness. I mean, I don't know if you've ever found yourself halfway, but a 40-year uh, halftime is not an exciting halftime show. I don't care if it's Dr. Dre, Snoop Dogg, who it is. That's not a good halftime moment. And that's where Israel was. They were halfway they had gone through the Red Sea, but now they're standing at the edge of the Jordan. And the Jordan marks a place of transition. And here they were. They had come out of Egypt, but they were yet to enter into the promised land. And I believe that that's a picture oftentimes of many Christians today. They have been brought out of bondage, they've been brought out of, uh, of slavery to sin, but they have not yet entered into the fullness of what God has for them. That they are saved, but halfway. I don't know if you realize this, you can be halfway saved. You can be halfway saved because your salvation is not just what you're saved from, it's what you're saved to. A lot of people know what they're saved from, but they are clueless about what they're saved to. And when God saves you, He's always saving you from something, but He's always saving you to something. He, he saves you from bondage, but He saves you to blessing. He saves you from your past. Anybody thankful you got saved out of your past? He saved you from the past, but he also saves you for a purpose. And let me tell you, halfway is the hardest place to stay. Don't stay halfway. There's a lot of Christians that are saved. They'll go to heaven, but they may miss their destiny. You can be saved and miss your destiny. 
Moses made it to heaven, but he missed the promised land. He, he was out of Egypt, but he did not enter in. And I want to tell you today that when God saves you, there is a salvation from, but what he's saving you for causes the past to pale in comparison. And many people don't experience what David calls the joy of their salvation because they know what they're saved from, but they have no clue of what they're saved for. They have no clue where they're headed, and so they live in this place. And I believe this, that God wants us to see what he's taking us to. You see, for Israel, when they were brought out of bondage, God had promised them a place. In fact, the, the delivery out of Egypt was, was merely the, the foundation, merely the beginning for, the prerequisite for what God wanted to take them into. God always had a land for Israel. There was always a place that he said, I'm going to bring you into this place. And, and in this place, this is going to be a place of blessing. And I want you to just for a moment, I think we have some scriptures we'll just put up. And you, I won't read them all, but I want to just show you what God said about the land that he wanted to bring Israel into. He said that it's going to be a place of my presence. This is a place where I'm going to dwell among you. He said it's going to be a place of abundance. It's going to be a place of rest when you get into that place. In the past, you used to have to work and strive and labor under a hard taskmaster in Egypt. But now I'm bringing you into a place of rest. He says it's going to be a place of beauty. You can read these scriptures later. A place of glory where God's Glory would radiate out. He said it's going to be a place flowing with milk and honey. In other words, it's going to be a place of abundant provision. It's going to be a place where all of your needs are met and you have enough to give to others. It's going to be a place of milk and honey. And then he says this, it's going to be in Ezekiel 5 verse 5, he says that it's going to be the center of the nations. Now, I don't have enough time to unpack all of this. I encourage you to read all of these scriptures. But that word center, a more literal translation is this, that it is the navel of the nations. The navel of the nations, like your belly button. Now, I know nobody here today is probably that excited about your belly button. I'm not that excited about my belly button this morning. But he says, I'm going to make you into the navel of the nations. And here's what a navel is. It's the center, but it's the place where we were once connected to the source of our life. And God's saying, I'm going to take you out of bondage, but I'm going to bring you into this place that when you get into this place, this is going to be the center of my plan. It's going to be the center of my purpose. You can live on the peripheral of God's will, or you can get in the center of God's will. And when you get in the center, you're connected to the source of life. You're connected to the source of joy. You're connected to the source of provision. I want you to know this morning, One Church Park District, there is a land that God has for us. There is a place that God has for us. Come on, if three people clap, we all got to clap. Okay, come on. Thank you, Jesus. God's taking us into something great. He's brought us out, but I'm telling you, we've been eating in the wilderness for a long time. We've been getting by with manna for a long time, but God is bringing us 
into his plan and his purpose. But here's why you need to hear this, because not everybody went in. Not everybody went in. There was a whole generation that died in the wilderness. And there was even some that because of their disobedience, uh, that, that it was delayed going in 40 years to go into the promised land. If you read the Bible, it was an 11-day journey. 11 days. Took 40 years. I mean, I don't know about you, but that, could, that would be a little bit frustrating. And here's what I want you to hear, that you can delay your destiny. You can delay your destiny. God has a call. God has a plan. God has a purpose for our lives that he gives to us. And we can either receive it and step into it, or we can delay what he has for us. And here at this moment of transition, as they're standing at the Jordan, God says to Joshua, Joshua, it's time. It's time. You've been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. You've been eating manna. You know, remember uh, Forrest Gump, gum, uh, gum, uh, shrimp gumbo, shrimp, uh, all of the shrimp. They were eating manna, fried manna, boiled manna, manna gumbo, manna soup, manna sandwiches. It was manna all the time. And that's where they had been living. And, and there was even most of Israel, a whole generation. That's all they knew. And it was in that place that God said to Joshua, Joshua, it's time. It's time. And I want to say that over our church today, One Church Park District. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time to move in. It's time to stir our faith. It's time to no longer be content to just look at what God has called us to at a distance. It's time to cross in. It's time to move over the Jordan. The Bible says this in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Verse 9, it says that he has saved us and called us with a holy calling. I don't want to just live saved. I want to live called. I want to live in the fullness of what God has for me. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, that we are to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Praise God, he started it. But let me tell you something better than that. He's going to finish it. The same God that brought you out of your past has got an incredible future and purpose for your life. The same God that birthed our church is going to bring us into the wonderful blessing that he has for us. And so I want to tell you today, it's time to move over. It's time to cross in. It's time to stir our faith, to take hold of everything that God has for us. And so I want to give you today four things that I believe every single one of us need to, need to take hold of, that we need to enact if we are going to move into the promise, the land that God has for us. How many of you want to move into God's blessing? Amen? Uh, how many of you want the, the fullness of everything that God has for you? I believe we all do. I believe we all do. So I want to give you four things today I think that, that we all need to take hold of if we're going to move in or cross over this Jordan. The first thing is this, that we need to stop looking back. We need to stop looking back. Listen to what he says. What God says to, to, Mo, uh, to Joshua in verse 2, he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Moses, 
my servant is dead. Moses was God's man. Moses was the the vessel that God chose, that he anointed. And and he was a, a, a leader, a wonderful leader of Israel. And he had brought them out of bondage. But now God is saying to Joshua, Joshua, you need to recognize Moses is dead. In other words, the things that used to work no longer work. You can't keep trying to move forward with Moses' momentum. I love that it says, Moses, my servant. In other words, God's honoring where they've come from. But he's also calling them forward. And I believe for every one of us that we should honor the past. We should honor what God has done in the past. Honor the past. Look to the future, but live in the moment. And he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Moses, my servant, is dead. And over the last few weeks, that that phrase has just echoed in my spirit. Moses, my servant, is dead. Moses, my servant, is dead. You know, we, as we've been through this COVID season, I know we are so glad to be able to get back together and so many things that, that perhaps were lost in the COVID season. We need to recapture uh, getting together. Gathering is, is still important, okay? It's still important that we have fellowship. It's still important that we come to the Lord's table and communion. All of these things are important, but oftentimes I hear pastors and churches that their only objective is let we got to get back we got to get back and i understand what they're saying but i have to tell you this that where we were 2019 wasn't as great i'm 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 not hating on it it may have been a good year it may have been good first couple of months of 2020 was pretty good but we god's got something greater god's got something better Let's look beyond just where we've been. Moses, my servant, is dead. You see, it was good for a season. Moses is symbolic of the law. Moses was the lawgiver. He was the one who received the law. But here's the reality that ultimately the law was never intended to bring the fullness of what God had called and had purposed for Israel. That's the whole premise of the Old Testament, that the law could never do what only Jesus could do. And so he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, there's some people that, that take hold of what God has done in the past, and they haul it around long after that thing is dead. You, you ever seen Weekend at Bernie's? There's some people that they, they have the Weekend at Bernie's ministry. They're still holding on to what God did 30, 40, 50, 500 years ago. And I believe we should honor that. We need to glean from that as Joshua gleaned from Moses. But there there is a reality that God is doing something fresh. God's doing something new. We can't keep hauling the old thing around. Moses is dead. We've got to stop looking back. You know, it's kind of like for a baby. When When a baby is young, these precious babies that were up here today, many times a baby will have a pacifier. And, and it's great uh, for a baby to have a pacifier, but how many of you know there's a moment where you got to cut that passy off? If you're 40 and you're still holding on to a pacifier, a pacifier is now a problem. What was at one time a good thing has now become a problem. 
And so if we want to move into what God has for us, we can't be perpetually looking back. We've got to look ahead. We've got to stop looking back. Moses, my servant, is dead. The second thing I want you to see, the second thing that he says, he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Listen to this. Now, therefore, arise. Everybody say arise. Now, therefore, because the past is over, now, therefore, arise. Now, all of you had to do that this morning just to get here. You had to arise at some point in time. And I believe the same is true spiritually as it is physically, that if we want to move into what God has for us, that there is a place where we have to stir ourselves up. Now, I'm not talking about emotionalism. I'm not talking about hype. Uh, stirred up for you may be different than stirred up for another person. So it's not about you know, kind of putting on some sort of display, but there, it's really an internal reality that our faith is active, that our faith is, is alive. I mean, you know, every one of us this morning, when you got out of bed, I'm sure you didn't leap out of bed just saying, I have arrived. The day is here. If you're like me, you're like, I'm, where am I? Where's the coffee? I'm stumbling through. But somehow between that moment and this moment, something has happened. You've arisen. You stirred yourself. None of you have come in in your pajamas. You may have wanted to, but you have stirred yourself. You've stirred yourself. And, and here's the interesting thing. It's amazing what we can get used to if we sit in it long enough. It's amazing how we can get stuck in something that, that was at one point a very temporary thing, but, but now we have a tendency to get stuck in it. You know, it was interesting last night. I was putting all of my kids to bed. And, of course, the older ones I don't have to really put in bed. But I, 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 when it comes time to getting them in bed, it can be a challenge. Get in bed. Stay in bed. Get in bed and stay in bed. Something happens between that time and the time that I get up or wake them up in the morning. Those children that last night just didn't want to stay in the bed, somehow in the morning I can't hardly get them out of the bed. And it's funny how that works. There's something in us that we can just get settled in the place of comfort. We can get settled in the place that we're in. You see, the longer you stay in a place, the greater your tendency to settle into that place. The longer you get used to not seeing the fulfillment of what you believe that God had spoken to you and promised for you, the, the greater tendency there is to just kind of go, no, you know what, I don't know if that was ever God in the first place. I, I don't know if he ever really wanted to do that. I probably just need to kind of settle into where I'm at. I need to just kind of dumb down and just kind of chill out. I need to have a little bit of kind of snuggy Christianity. You know, it's all about my comfort, and I'm not really comfortable with that, and that's kind of out of my comfort zone. And I don't know if you realize this, nothing good happens in your comfort zone. If I was still in my comfort zone, I'd be in my bed this morning. Good for me, but not good for anybody else. And so God says to Israel, you got to arise, stir yourself up, stir yourself, shake yourself. Don't just settle where you're at. I love what Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12 says, and he's speaking 
to the descendants of Abraham, but it's, it's uh, telling for all of us. He says, we desire that each of you, listen to this, show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope until the end. He says, I want you to stay diligent, stay, uh, stay uh, energetic of this full assurance of hope until the end. Listen to this, that you do not become sluggish. That you don't become sluggish. Anybody ever seen a slug? You know what a slug is? Very sluggish. It, it, it's, it, there's no energy. There's no enthusiasm in it. And sometimes we allow life and we allow circumstances to create the spirit of a slug. That we're just slugging around. We may slug into church. We may, we may slug, you know, into work. We may slug a little bit into prayer, but it's all very sluggish. You know what I'm saying? And he says, don't become sluggish. Stir yourself up, but imitate those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. He's saying if you want to go into everything that God has for you, you've got to keep your faith engaged. You've got to keep the muscles of your faith engaged. That's the thing about muscles. If you don't lose them, they don't just plateau. They go, they go down, right? Some of you all know what I'm talking about. I, if you don't use them, they just kind of get a little sluggish, Right? And, and so the, he's saying you've got to have faith and patience. Now, patience is different than passivity. Some people are passive and call it patience. But patience is still active in faith. Patience, we're patiently waiting for the return of Christ. But that doesn't mean that we are passive. It means that we are active. Faith and patience inherit the promises. Right now, we are waiting on a project at our house to be complete. And I'll tell you, it's been a process of faith and patience. There's been a few moments where we've not wanted to have patience. And there can be the tendency that we can, we can just kind of settle in and become passive, but we've got to be, we've got to live with faith and patience. I don't know where you're at today. Maybe there's some things that God has spoken over your life or over your family or over your future. And as time has gone on, you've just kind of become sluggish. You don't pray with the same fervor you used to. You don't hold on to the Word of God the same way that you used to. You don't engage in the spiritual disciplines the same way that you used to. You've just become sluggish. It can be the tendency for all of us. And God says to Joshua, Now therefore arise, stir yourself up. I can see Joshua going around the camp. Wake up, wake up, wake up. We, we've got to cross over. So number one, we've got to stop looking back. Number two, we've got to stir ourselves. Number three, we've got to step forward. Step forward or step out. Step out. Look at what verse two says. Verse two and three, God says, I want you to go over this Jordan. Go over this Jordan. I can imagine Joshua maybe saying, God, uh, I'm not sure what that looks like from Google Maps, but jo the Jordan is actually a river, God. 
Maybe you thought that's a road and we're just across it, but that's actually a huge river. And God says, I want you to go over the Jordan and listen to what he says. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. Now, I would like for it to say sometimes, I've given something to you, therefore now you just put your foot on it. Or, or I would like for it to be after everybody has left and they've vacated the premises, then you can move in. And we're actually going to see that when they moved in, the struggle was only beginning. But God was saying this, even before it looks like in the natural, the fulfillment of what I have said that I would do, I want you to begin to act like what I have said has already come to pass. And he's saying, I want you to step out. Step out. Step out. Step into the promised land. Take a step. And every place that you'll step, I will give to you. In other words, if you don't step there, God won't give it to you. He's given it to you, but you've got to step into it. You've got to move into it. God had sovereignly given it to them, but now they had to possess it. They had to take hold of it. In other words, without God, they could not but without them, he would not. You see, God wanted to give it to them. And without God, they could not take the land. But without them, God would not. That's one of the primary messages of the book of Joshua. It's the divine cooperation between God and man. That God, in his sovereignty, has chosen to tie his eternal purpose on the earth to feeble human beings like you and I. And so is God sovereign or is man responsible? It's, the, it's a question that theologians have de de debated and churches have split over. Some would call it Calvinism or Arminianism. Does God choose the elect or can whosoever will let him come? You know what the answer is? Yes. The answer is yes. That without God, we cannot, but without us, God will not. You see, God will provide, but you've got to show up for work. God will provide, but you've got to start the business. God will provide, but you've got to be diligent. God will join together, but you've got to ask her out. God saves people, but we preach the gospel. God gives the harvest, but we sow the seed. God heals the sick, but we lay hands. God builds the church, but we equip the saints. God gives children, but we... You get the point, okay? Is it God or is it us? Yes! Yes! And so we have to be willing to step out even before we see in the natural what God has said He will do. If we stand around and wait for God to move, God's waiting on us. I, I had the opportunity 
And I don't see him in here this morning, so I'm going to tell his story without him. But I had the opportunity week before last to go visit with Alex Lupinek. And many of you know Alex and Marina. I know I've seen Marina here, but Alex and Marina have been a part of our church. They were a part of our church in the early days and then at the beginning of COVID. Uh, in fact, one uh, Sunday night, I felt like the Lord gave me a dream. And in the dream, Alex and Marina moved to Jacksonville. And then they didn't tell me that they were moving. And I was shocked. I called Alex the next morning. I said, Alex, I had the weirdest dream last night. You moved to Jacksonville. I said, Is that, am I prophetic? He said, well, you're half prophetic. We didn't move to Jacksonville, but we put our house on the market uh, over the weekend, and uh, we've already got a contract on it. I said, well, God's, God's got your number. And um, so they had moved to DeLand, and um, we blessed them. It was an awesome thing and, and really tried to, they tried to plug into a church there, just ended up feeling like God brought them back here. But I went to visit with Alex in uh, this piece of property that they've bought in DeLand. And um, it, it's a beautiful piece of property, 10 acres. It's got a house on it. Uh, he invited us out there, the whole church, to come out there sometime. So uh, we'll, we'll do that at some point. But we were walking over this land, and I just was overwhelmed with God's goodness and how good he's been uh, to Alex and Marina. I said to Alex, I said, man, I, this is incredible to see what God has done. And uh, I said, God has just blessed you guys. It's been awesome. And he said, well, you know how it started. I said, I, no, I, I don't know. He said, well, you used to preach about God will use what's in our hand to fulfill what's in our heart. He, he, you preached about serving and, and being active in serving. And he said, I was with um, Christian and Sierra. He said he, he was with Derek and Christian. They were out hanging out before Christian got married, and you guys just celebrated your anniversary. How long have you been married? Seven years? Six years. Okay, so six years, a little over six years ago, Alex and Derek and uh, Christian were out, and I guess Alex asked Christian, do you all have a photographer and videographer for your wedding? And Christian said, well, it's, uh, it's not in the budget. At least that's kind of the way that um, Alex told the story. And Alex said, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be your videographer. I'm going to be your photographer. Now, here's the thing. Alex wasn't a videographer at that point. He, but he said, I'm going, to, I'm going to be your videographer. And that was the first wedding that Alex and Marina ever uh, videoed and, and photographed. And since that time, God's just blessed their, their business. But here's what I want you to see. They weren't sitting around waiting for God to give them a business. They weren't sitting around waiting for something to fall into their lap. They went into business before they had a business. They started taking a step. And you know what has happened? God's blessed their business. I remember Alex saying to me before that, I'm just, I'm trying to find, I want to go into business, but I just don't know what that business would be. Now, you know, there's some people that perpetually get stuck in that place rather than just being willing to step out. And Alex just said, I'm going to step out. I'm going to take a step. And I want you to know, the life of faith is a life of stepping out. It's a life of moving in. Even when you don't see what God has said, faith acts as if what God has said is true, even when you do not see it. And so, if we want to move into what God has for us, we've got to be willing to step out. We've got to be willing to, to 
walk by faith. I know already I'm walking around our building and we're continuing to pray there every Wednesday morning. And I'm continuing to just say, God, thank you. Lord, thank you for what we have. Thank you. We've got the chairs, God. I don't see them in the natural, but they're there. Thank you, God, that the chairs are coming. God, thank you for the playground equipment. And then you know what I'm doing? I'm following up. To, I'm, I'm uh, working on things. Uh, there's some things I won't even go into the details of it right now. But how many of you know sometimes you got to faith it till you make it? You, you, and so we're moving forward into what God has for us. But the same is true for every single one of us. We've got to take a step. We've got to take action. As, as, uh, as Ron was saying this morning, it was such a, a wonderful, wonderful example that sometimes it's easy to trust God when life is good, but are we willing to step out even when there's challenges and when there's storms? So number one, we've got to stop looking back. Number two, we've got to stir ourselves. Number three, I want you to see this, that we also have to stake our claim. Stake our claim. Look at what the scripture says in verse six. He says, be strong and of good courage for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. I want you to notice that word. You shall divide as an inheritance. As an inheritance. They, they were receiving this promise from God as an inheritance. And here's the thing about an inheritance is that you don't earn an inheritance. An inheritance is not earned. And God said, I'm going to give this to you as an inheritance. An inheritance is something that you receive because somebody else has worked for it, has, has given some blood, sweat, and tears, and now it's being passed on to you. The Bible says in the New Testament that we have received an inheritance in Christ. So everything that we have from God in Christ, we receive it Free by grace as an inheritance. An inheritance is not earned, it is given, but an inheritance must be claimed. It is not earned, but it must be claimed. Last year I received a, a little inheritance from my grandmother. And my gr grandma had passed away, she was with the Lord, and I got a notice from a, uh, her financial planner that there's an inheritance there's an inheritance, and it said in small print, he said, be sure not to tell Jarrett. Don't talk about this with Jarrett. It'd make him feel bad, okay? No, he got the same inheritance. But we got, a little, we got some inheritance from Grandma. In fact, she actually, even when we were in our Vision Builders 30 Days campaign last year, there was an inheritance that came from my grandma. She had designated towards the vision or towards the church even before she passed away, she didn't know what we were going to be doing, but there was an inheritance. There was something that was given. Now, Grandma's in heaven, and she's continuing to see the eternal balance on her account go, going up. Some, some of us get Coinbase notifications or our bank account. We get a, a notice from our bank that our account is going up or going down. Grandma's account continues to go up, okay? But the, I received an inheritance, but I had to claim it. I had to claim it. And the same is true when it comes to our spiritual inheritance. Everything we have from Christ is given to us, or everything that we have from God is given to us in Christ, but we have to claim it. 
In other words, we have to take hold of what God has promised for us. In other words, let me say it this way. You can have it, but not enjoy it. There's a lot of people in that place. They're saved, but they're not enjoying their inheritance because they've not taken claim to what God has for them. This, this book is filled with great and precious promises. It tells us everything that God has given to us in Christ. And of course, the grandma and everybody else that has gone before us is experiencing the fullness of it. But God wants us to lay claim to it now. It can be yours, but you can miss out on the benefit of it. Recently, I was... Uh, I told you we've got a project. We're building a swimming pool. We had to put in a new fence. And uh, my neighbor, uh, I was talking to him and working on trying to come to an agreement of what the fence would be. And I was putting it on my property, but I wanted to be a good neighbor. So I talked with him. And um, and he was kind of, he was being, he's a nice guy, but he's being a little uh, a little particular about what I was going to do. And, and so I said, um, well, I have a survey that actually says that that fence is on my property. And um, so I had to one night, and this is all smoothed out. He's a great guy. I love him. Um, but that fence was already on my property, and he wanted me to set it back even further. So I had to say, well, here, I've got the survey. Here's what the survey says. Now, I may be wrong. But let me go check because the survey says that there's some stakes out there that will mark the corner of my property. So I had to go covert at night and I went out there and I dug up and I found the stake. And you know what? The stake was on the other side of the fence, which means that fence was on my property. And he had been enjoying some of my property for a little too long and wanted to move it a little further. And I handled it in a very polite, kind way, and we've worked it all out, and it's not a problem. But here's why I tell you that, is because the enemy will always, my neighbor's not our enemy, but uh, I'm using that as an illustration. The enemy, <laughs> the enemy will always encroach on the boundaries of the territory that God has given to you. God has given to you, and God has given to me, Everything we need for life and godliness. Everything that we need, every good and perfect gift comes from above. So everything we need, peace. If you need peace, there's an inheritance of peace. God has given to us peace in Christ. Joy. Anybody need some joy? There's a place of joy that God has for us. A place of fruitfulness, a place of satisfaction. I don't mean just a physical place, a spiritual place, but we've got to lay hold of the place that God has for us. You can be saved and still be miserable. You can be saved and not enjoy it because the enemy will always want to encroach on the boundaries. Today it'll be, let me move my fence just a little bit. The next day it'll be, let me get in a little bit more. And the next day, and and. A little bit of anxiety. Let me just get, we'll just get a little anxiety. Let me just have this part of your life. Let me get a, a little bit of depression. Let me get a little bit of compromise. Let me get a little bit of jealousy. Let me get a little bit of complaining. It's just a little bit. Let me just, how many of you know if you give him an inch, he'll take a mile? He'll take a mile. 
And so we have to stake our claim on what God has said. What I'm talking about is that we have to have a... a, a uh, the, the Bible says that the kingdom of God suffers violence and the violent take it by force. I'm not talking about physical violence. I've got a wonderful relationship with my neighbor and everything is good. But what I am saying is that we will say, no, enemy, you're not coming into this territory. No, I won't let my family go to hell because I know the will of God. It's God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is, is sickness is not from God. Uh, pain is not from God. That doesn't mean that there's not a battle and one day we'll possess in full, but God wants to give it to us now. And I want to say to us as a church, I believe that God is taking us into a greater place of His blessing, a greater place of fulfillment, a greater place of fulfilling His promise and His purpose, that everything that we need will be provided for us. I want to ask if you would just to stand up to your feet. Thank you, Lord. Would you just